0: How I many of you brought your Bible with you tonight? Will you hold up the Word of God all over the building? I want to encourage you to always bring your Bible with you when you come to church and check behind me and be sure I'm not preaching out of Sears and Roebuck. And the best way to do that is check me out in the Bible. All right? Let's uh, to- uh, open our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and uh, page number 1282, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Let me just read a verse, make a, maybe make a comment about the verse, which will spring us into our message here for this evening. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Please pray. Uh, the, as, as I mentioned a moment ago about the teenagers going to camp, I hope you'll pray for a good meeting down at the camp. Also, our preteens are actually over at camp uh, over in, in Tennessee, and so they'll be coming back at the end of the week. So please pray for their safety. So we got... Uh, two groups that are going and two groups that will be coming. And, of course, as you might well expect, July the 4th, there's going to be a lot of traffic. So as you think about that, please pray for the safety of our young people as they go to and from these meetings. And let's pray for a good meeting going on uh, this, uh, this, uh, these last few days of this week. All right, 2 Timothy chapter number 4. And I want you to notice in verse number 13, 2 Timothy 4, 13, Paul says this, The cloak... That I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. Now, Paul is sitting in a prison and he's getting ready to die. In fact, at the end of this chapter, as far as we know, uh, he never wrote another word after the close of this chapter. He gave his life for the cause of Christ. He said a little bit earlier in this chapter, I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. So as he sits there in this prison, knowing that death is imminent, he writes to young Timothy. He says, okay, on your way here, Timothy, I want you to stop, stop over there at the house of Carpus, and I want you to pick up my cloak, Bring that with you when you come. And while you're there, go ahead and grab some of the books. But Timothy especially, bring the parchments. Now, when I look at that text, I find that Paul is wanting three things. First of all, he's wanting something to keep him warm physically. That's the reason he said, bring the cloak over there at Carpus's house at Troas. It was very cold sitting in that prison. And no doubt, he was had a chill going on to the bone. And he needed something to keep him warm physically. So he talks about the cloak. Bring the cloak when you come with you. But then he needed something to keep him warm mentally. So he said, and the books. I find it interesting that here he is, uh, what we would actually say on his deathbed, but he's still wanting to increase his knowledge and increase his learning, his wisdom. So he says, Timothy, when you come, bring the books. And let me just say this, don't ever get so, uh, uh, let's don't ever get to the point that we think there's nothing else to be learned. Can I have an amen? Ben, I'll tell you what, there's so much to be learned, we'll never get it all learned. But he wanted the books to keep him warm mentally but he needed the parchments to keep him warm spiritually. Now, what's the parchments? That's the Word of God. Sitting there in the blackness of that cell, knowing that death was imminent, hey, bring the coat to keep me warm, keep me warm physically. Bring the books to keep me warm mentally. But Timothy, whatever you do, you especially pick up them that parchment. I need something to keep me warm spiritually. Boy, I want to tell you, that's what the Word of God will do to us if we'll get into it every day. This book has a tendency to keep us warm spiritually. You know, the Bible said in the last days that the iniquity shall abound, Matthew 24, 12, iniquity shall abound, and the love of many shall wax cold. But i tell you what, it's easy to get a little cold on God in these days. Only thing I know to keep your heart a little warm is snuggle up to the Word of God. The Word of God will keep you warm, uh, warm spiritually. So we've been fo- focusing in these recent days upon the Word of God. In fact, for the last twenty, twenty-three Wednesday evenings, we've been dealing with some of the great words of our Bible. I'm calling this series of sermons, Bible Words That Every Child of God Should Know. And what I've been doing is pick out different words, picking out different words from the Bible that we as God's people ought to be acquainted with, we ought to be familiar with as we live out these last days. Of course, you know we've been using our English alphabet, kind of in an acronym form, starting with A, and we've been going down and I've just been picking out some great A words in the Bible and B words, and now tonight we come all the way down to the 20th third letter of our alphabet. Last week, you may remember, we were on the letter V, the letter V. And we were talking a little bit about some of the great words in our Bible, which began with the letter V. And we talked about the word victory. What a good word that is. God wants you and me to have victory. Then we talked about the word vigilance. God wants us to be on guard. God wants us to have our antennas up and not to get caught off guard. And then we talked about the word vision. Boy, where there is no vision, the people perish. Boy, we need a vision. And then we talked about the word visit as as just another word, a synonym for the word revival. All good the words in our Bible. Tonight we come to the letter W, the 23rd letter of our English alphabet. Let me tell you what I found out a little bit about the letter W uh, as it relates to the Word of God. First of all, you know, every week I always try to go down through the list of the books of the Bible and pick out the words or the names of the books of our Bible to begin with a particular letter that we're focusing on. Well, you may remember the last two weeks with the letter U and the letter V. We haven't had any books in our Bible that begin with those letters. And so it is tonight, again, with the letter W. There are no books in our Bible whose name of the book begins with the letter W. Not a one of them. So here's what I had to do then. So I I thought, well, man, I can't talk a whole lot about the books of the Bible, so let's just go to the people of the Bible. And we've been focusing on, first of all, the men of the Bible whose name begins with, for instance, tonight, the letter W. Now, I've told you there are 3,285 named men in our Bible, 3,285 men in our Bible that are named. Now, there are countless others that are not named, but we do have those who are named. Well, Here is all the men in our Bible whose name begins with the letter W. You may want to write some of these down. Some of them are really good. Ready? Here they are. You know, I was surprised when I started looking this week to find out that there's not one man in our Bible whose name begins with the letter W. Not one. Now, there are some men in the Bible in Matthew chapter number 2 who are called wise men. But there's no men in our Bible whose name begins with the letter W. So I said, okay, well, let's get off of that. Now let's turn our thoughts toward the women. Now I've told you before there are 188 named women in our Bible, and I thought, surely, surely there's got to be a woman in our Bible whose name begins with the letter W, and voila. So let me just go down the list real fast of just a few women in our Bible whose name begins with the letter W. We're in big trouble tonight. You know not one of the 80, 188 women that are mentioned in our Bible? Not one of them name start with, starts with the letter W. Now, we do have some witches in our Bible. The witch of Endor, for instance. We have some witches in our Bible. We also have many widows in our Bible. But there's not one woman in all the Word of God whose name starts with the letter W. So then I'm, thought, I'm thinking to myself, now, buddy, we're in real trouble, so let's talk about the places in the Bible. You know, I always maybe me mention some of the more familiar places in the Bible uh, that, that begin with the letter W. So I thought, Lord, I need some help. Help me out, Lord. So I get in the Bible, and I start looking for all the places in the Bible whose name starts with the letter W, and here's what I found. Not a one. Buddy, I'm telling you tonight, we are in real, real trouble. I got to thinking this week, boy, I'm going to struggle with the letter W, but never fear. (laughs) I have come up with enough words to make a sermon out of them tonight. So let's talk about some of the great words in our Bible that begin with the letter W. First of all, there's this word right here. This is a good Bible word, the word warfare. Now, that is a good Bible word. In fact, the word warfare or the word war is actually found 251 times in the Bible. Basically, in the Old Testament, that word is used to, uh, to, uh, to denote a conflict, a battle that is going on uh, between two nations like a physical war. We read oftentimes uh, with the nation of Israel uh, in the Old Testament that they had war again with the Philistines. I mean, man, that was an actual, literal battle that took place in the Old Testament. A lot of war and a lot of warfare in the Old Testament. However, when we come across into the New Testament, more often than not, the word war or the word warfare is used in conjunction with spiritual war or spiritual warfare that we all face. Now, I've told you this before, and you you remember me telling you this. The Bible uses many different analogies to depict what we are as the people of God. We are sheep in a flock. We are sons In a family. We are servants in a field. But one of the greater analogies that's used often in the Bible is this we're soldiers in a fight. I mean, oftentimes in the Bible, you and I are called soldiers. We're told to war a good warfare. We're told to fight the good fight of faith. You know what that means? That means to become a child of God. Guess what? We get involved in a war. That's right. How many times have I told y'all this? Look up on the screen, but it goes something like this. To become a child of God means this. The battle is over, the victory is won, and the war begins. Now, I know I kind of get that. Boy, that sounds a little bit contradictory in nature, but really when you stop and think about that, hey, guess what? When you got saved, guess what? The battle was over. The victory was won, and now the war begins. What I mean by that is this. You know, before we got saved, before we came into God's family, we were actually at war with God. I mean, the Bible said this in James 4, verse 4, "...whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy." The adversary of God. Hey, before I got saved, man, I was actually, and and if you were to ask me of this, I was so blinded by the God of this world, I would say, man, I don't hate God. I'm not fighting God. But in reality, I was resisting what God was wanting to do in my life. Therefore, I was at war with God. That's the reason the Bible said in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 10, for if, watch this now, for if, when we were enemies, enemies, that's what we were before we got saved, We were enemies. We were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You know what I was before I got saved? I was an enemy of God. I was at war with God. And by the way, you may have been a good moral person, but guess what? Anytime we resist the will of God for our life and we fight against it, or in Bible terminology, we kick against the pricks, I'm telling you, man, we're at war with God. Colossians 1.21 says this, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now have he reconciled. I'm, I just read all those verses to tell you this, man. We were, we were God's enemies, but the day that we accepted God's Son, the Lord Jesus, hostilities were declared to be over, and peace was made with God. That's the reason we read in Romans 5 1, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's the reason I say the battle is over, the victory is won, and now the war begins. Let me illustrate it like this. Thank you, Lord. Let me illustrate it to you like this. Here's a book representing a line. Here's a book representing another line, and here's the Bible. Representing another line. Now, before I got saved, I was on this side of things. The enemy of God, at war with God, hostile toward God. You know, that's the reason it's so hard to get people to come to church. They're at war with God. I mean, they don't want what God's trying to do in their life. So that that book there represents my unsaved life. I was an enemy of God. But then there came a good day in my life when I crossed the line and I came over into God's family or I got born again. How many of y'all glad you got born again? I'm glad I got saved. I'm glad I got born again. I'm glad I got redeemed. I'm glad I got reconciled. And by the way, I didn't do, have anything to do with that. Jesus did all that for me. And that's all I had to do. I didn't have to join the church, turn over a new leaf, promise to do better, give a certain amount of money. I mean, when I accepted Jesus, I was redeemed, reconciled. I had peace. Uh, The war was declared to be over uh, because I got saved by the grace of God. So I come into God's family. So here I am now in God's family. I've left that old life. I'm now in God's family. But wait a minute, just becoming a member of God's family is not the end of the will of God for me. God wants me to be way over yonder now and to become a spiritually-minded, mature Christian. Can I have an amen? That would have been a good place to say an amen right there. God don't want you just to get saved. God don't want you just to cross the line and come into his family. By the way, many people are just content with that. And many people just, they're content to dwell right around, to abide right around where they got in to God's family. And the reason they're content to, to stay there is because it's so easy to reach back over into that life and bring some of that junk over into this life. Can I have an amen? But it's God's plan for me to move away from that part now. God got me out of that mess. God brought me into His family. But God don't want me to hover around the line where I come into God's family. God wants me to move on and move over there and become a spiritually mature, uh, a, a person that loves God. Not perfect, not perfect, but at least a little bit mature. Want to love God, love the church, love the Bible, serve God. That's where God wants me to be. But let me tell you something. The distance, and may I say the resistance... To where I am, to where God wants me to be is called spiritual warfare. I mean, here I am, God wants me over there, so I take a step over there, and the world, the flesh, and the devil knock me back two steps toward where I were, where I were, where I was. That's spiritual warfare. i 've got to fight. I mean, the devil's not just going to step aside and say, all right, now you got saved. Come on over here and be the kind of Christian that God wants you to be. Get over here and be mature and let your light shine and get people saved, be the salt of the earth. Come over here and do that. In fact, let me just give you a good shove in that direction. Move right. Are you kidding me? He's not going to do that for me. I'll tell you what he's going to do. He's going to do his best to stand in my way, the world, the flesh, and the devil, to keep me from getting over there where God wants me to be. And all of that is simply called... Spiritual warfare. Now, if you've been saved any amount of time, if, you, if you've uh, been a child of God any amount of time, you know what I'm talking about tonight. You know the battle that is going on in, in, your, on, in your inward you tonight. You know the struggle that you face. That's the reason every night uh, or, or morning, however, whatever your uh, routine is, when, when it comes time for you to get in the Bible, uh, uh, one of your favorite programs comes on TV. Or when it comes time to pray, you're just so sleepy. You've just worked so hard. And it's just been so hot. Hey, why don't you get into bed and pray tonight? First thing you know, it's all spiritual warfare. And we've got to understand that every last one of us that's saved in this room tonight it faces Spiritual warfare. He's never going to step aside and say, "Get on over there, you serrot me," and mean, I'm glad you got saved. Talk about the devil now. You serrot me, and mean, I couldn't even stand you. I'm glad you got saved. Now get on over there and be the, become the person God wants you to become. Has He ever told you that? It ain't the same devil I'm talking about. If He has, He's going to battle us. He don't want us to become the person that God intends for us to be, and that resistance to all of that is called. Spiritual warfare. And we all face it. That battle, that struggle goes on on the inside of every last one of us. In fact, let me tell you this. Even a man as great as the Apostle Paul, listen, wrote 14, if you count the book of Hebrews, of our 27 New Testament books, started churches on three continents. I mean won people to God like crazy. And then here's what he said about it. Look at this verse. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. You know what he's saying? He's just saying, man, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't do it. And I know what I'm not supposed to do, and that's what I wind up doing all the time. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. You know what he was doing? He was talking about that battle, that struggle. And by the way, if that's going on in you tonight, does it seem like to you sometimes the devil is just going to walk off with everything you got? You ever go through those periods in your life when it seems like, you know, sometimes there are skirmishes, and then sometimes, buddy, it's all-out war. And, buddy, I'm just here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be that way till Jesus comes again. That's the reason we're admonished in the Bible in 1 Timothy 6.12, to fight the good fight of faith. In 1 Timothy 1.18, we're also told that we are to war a good warfare. Now, there's three things true about spiritual warfare. Watch this. Number one, spiritual warfare. We fight the pull. We fight the pull. What is the pull that I'm talking about? I'm talking about the pull of the devil, the pull of the world, and the pull of the flesh. Y'all feel that pull? How many of y'all feel that pull once in a while? Let me tell you something. If you ain't doing nothing for God, you're probably not going to feel that pull. But if you're trying to do something for the Lord, you're going to have to fight the pull. I mean, there's something constantly trying to pull me back. I feel that going on inside of me. I want to get over there. I want to struggle. I want to get over there and be the person that God wants me to be. But there's constantly something pulling me back to the person that God never intended for me to be. we got to fight that pull. Number two, got to flee the presence of evil. I said a moment ago, too many of us are standing right here near the line of where we just come into God's family. And it's easy to reach back over there. That's the reason so many people, when they get saved, and, and, they, and they keep reaching back over and grabbing that marijuana. Marijuana. Heard that on Dragnet this week. Marijuana. And they can reach back over and grab that weed, or they can grab them Miller lowlifes or Bud Dummers, and they can reach back over and grab that, and they, they try to pull that mess over into this life. You know why? I, I mean, they hadn't got away from that point and they're still too close to the evil. And, and we got to flee that, get away from that point. So we got to fight the pull, flee the presence, and then number three, got to fear the price. I mean, man, I don't want to mess up my life. I don't want to destroy my life. I realize if I keep hanging around right here where I just got in and keep reaching back over there and grabbing that mess out and trying to drag it in over here, can I tell you something, I'm going to mess my life up. You're going to mess your life up. i got to get away from that mess because I fear the price of what it may cost me. What is it the old preachers used to say? Sin keep you longer than you intended to stay. Cost you more than you're willing to pay. I'm telling you, there is a price that goes along with evil. I'm talking about spiritual warfare. How many of you all are with me? Warfare. Warfare. Warfare, you're in a battle. Being saved is not a picnic, it's a battlefield. Being saved is not like a waltz, it's a war. Being saved, coming into God's family, it's a full-time, 24-hour a day, seven days a week. Sometimes the devil even fights you when you're asleep. Am I right about that? I mean, even battles you while you're asleep, he's fighting with you. Trying to, trying to pull you back. God, help us to understand we are in a war. That's why you need to be faithful. Thank you for being here. But that's why you ought to be faithful to church. That's why that other crowd that ain't here tonight ought to be faithful to church. That's why you people watching on that low down computer. No, I'm kidding. But you ought to be faithful to church. Man, we need, we're in a war. A war. I heard about this old drunk man who went down the wrong way, the, 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 he went down the wrong way of a one way street. And an officer saw him, fell in behind him, cut his lights on. Eventually he pulls over and he says, "Uh, Officer, what's wrong? He said, what's wrong is you're driving down a a wrong way of a one-way street. Didn't you see the heiress? Old drunk man said, "Aras, I ain't even seen the Indians. (laughs) And can I tell you something? That's a lot of saved people's idea about spiritual warfare. But we're in a fight, friend. And we better be careful because there's too much at stake. For us to lose this war. Can I have an amen? Warfare. Number two, look at this word. da da Witness. Boy, I'll tell you, that's an important Bible word. You know, God's people are called by a variety of names throughout Scriptures. For instance, we're called sons and children and disciples and ambassadors. And sometimes we're called servants. But the name that the Lord Jesus gave to us Himself was this one. Acts 1.8. You shall receive power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be my shall be witnesses unto me. Jesus called us witnesses. And you know what a witness is? A witness is somebody who simply tells what they know or what they've experienced. Jesus says that's what we're to be. We ought to be telling people what we know and what we have experienced. That's our job as a witness. Can I tell you this? I read this this week. I was really taken back by it a little bit. Listen to this. Every week in America, 1,500 pastors resign their churches every Sunday in America. Every Sunday in America, 2.9 million people walk away from their churches. Every, year, every Sunday in America, the average attendance of the average church each Sunday in America is 89 people. And every week in America, 75 churches close their doors. 75 churches. Why are all those churches dying? I'll tell you why. They ain't reaching new people. You see, if we don't reach new people little by little, we just die away. I go to preach revival sometimes in these churches, and most of my revival meetings and are scattered out in ch- country churches and uh, maybe at the foot of the mountain or on top of the mountain or somewhere, and I go, and I mean, I look around, and, and I, I don't mean this to be bad, and thank God they're there, but everybody in there is 75 years old. And if the Lord don't come, I mean, that church, Vince, is going to die, die away. And any time we cease to grow, we start to die. And the only way to keep our church from dying is to be witness. Be a witness. To witness, to tell what we know and what we have experienced. And by the way, he called us to be a witness, not a lawyer. It's not our job to argue people into, into salvation. It's our job just to tell people what we know and what we've experienced ourselves. You know, sometimes we talk we call it soul winners. Hey, let's go soul winning. But can I tell you something? In reality, I know there's a verse, that Proverbs 11 verse, 30 verse, He that winneth souls. I I know that. But God didn't call us to be winners as much as He called us to be witnesses. And what I simply mean by that is this. You know, it kind of takes the pressure off me when God didn't say, Hey, you be a winner. God said, you shall be my witnesses. In other words, we tell them the results of what happens is between them and God. And at the judgment seat, it's not about results. It's about resolve. We do our part by being witnesses. God's got to do the saving part. I can't save anybody. You can't save anybody. Well, I have saved a few in my life, and they're in prison tonight or dead. I've saved some of them. But I tell you what, when God saves a man, it's it's a forever saving, ain't it? It's a good saving. The saving part is up to God. That's the reason we read this, 1 Corinthians 3, 7. So then neither is he that planteth anything. That's all we are, planters. Neither he that watereth. They're not anything. That's all we are is water. But it's God that giveth the increase. And then it goes on to say this in the next verse. Now, he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own harvest. Did I read that right? If you were following me, you'll notice I changed that last word from labor to harvest. God's not going to reward us on the amount of the harvest that we have. If that be the case, man, Noah was a miserable failure because only him and his family got in. Jeremiah prophesied 41 years and didn't have one convert. What a failure he was. No, God said, I'm not going to bless you and, ju- and reward you on the basis of the size of the harvest you bring in. I'm just going to reward you on the basis of the size of the labor that you do for me. Hey, let's be witnesses. So we got the word, what was that first word? It was the word warfare. The word witness. What about this one right here? What about this? is a good Bible word. What about the word... Worship, the word worship. Boy, that's a good Bible word. It's used 190 times in our Bible. You know, really, the word worship is kind of hard to define. How do you define what worship? It's kind of like trying to define what light is. I mean, you you ever looked up the word light in Webster's Dictionary? It'll say something like this, that which makes makes it possible to see. Oh, really? How do you define light? How do you define what worship is? The word worship actually comes from an old Anglo-Saxon word, which actually means worth, W-O-R-T-H, worth-ship, worth-ship. And I think maybe a definition of worship would be like this, giving God praise for his worth. That's the reason we say he's worthy, Worthship. Worship is when we come and set our focus upon God and give him the glory for who he is, and what he's done, can I ask you a question, how much worshiping you've been doing lately? How much worshiping have we been doing lately? Too many of us come to church like this. Hey, brother Mart, go get this a minute ago for me. I think he stole some of it before he got up here, but it's OK. I'm kidding. This is a dime. This is a dime. It is the smallest of all of our coins. A dime is smaller than a penny. All right? And watch this. This dime, in comparison to this building, is minuscule. It's it's minute. It's nothing. If I hold that dime way out there, I mean, man, I see the massiveness. I don't see the the dime. I see the massiveness of the building that we're in. But too many of us come to church like this, with a dime right here. It's the dime of our problems, the dime of the latest gossip, the latest, the latest stuff that's circulating around. And buddy, when we come and this dime is this close, guess what? I don't see the magnitude of the building. I see the magnitude of the dime. I'm missing the massiveness of the building because all I can see is this dime. And that's the way most of us come to church. Here's our problems. Right up here, we hold them so close right up here. And instead of seeing what God can do, all I can see is the bigness of my problems. Instead of seeing what God can do, all I can see and hear is what people have been telling me about lately. And I miss, I miss God because of the smallness of the dime that I'm holding too close to my sight. You know, the Bible said this, Jeremiah 32, is it 27? Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? I promise you this, in comparison to our problems, the biggest problems we got in comparison to God, it's the size of a dime, if it's even that big. I mean, God is greater than our problems. That's the reason we ought to worship Him. I mean, the Bible said God's looking for somebody to worship Him. Look at this verse. John 4, 23, The hour cometh now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father seeketh such. He's looking for some worshippers. Hey, I'd like for it to be true. I know this Sunday's 4th of July and we come to church and we have our expectations. Preacher's going to just stand up and fuss about America, and, and I am. But wouldn't it somebody preachers gonna come and just give Joe Biden down to come and I am and koala. But wouldn't it be a sight if God interrupted our anti-Joe Biden message, Sunday morning, and worship broke out? I tell you what, He sure is looking for some people to worship. He's seeking such to worship Him. In fact, let me tell you something. God honors worship. Look at this verse right here. Somebody fussed at me one time over this one, but this is true. It's, it's King James. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. Stop! Somebody ra- just rared me out one time because I said, if you're lost, you've never been saved, you can pray till the cows come home, but God's not going to hear your prayer. And they just got fussed at me and fussed at me. Now we know that God heareth not sin. Can I have an amen? amen? But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, what's the benefit of worship? Him he heareth. Yes, sir. God wants us to worship. So here, here's our words and we're done. So we've got, we've got warfare. We've got, we've got witness. We've got worship. Listen, here's some more good ones. Walk whosoever, word, wisdom, and weight. But here's the one I want to close with. Poof. Watch. Watch. What does that word simply mean? It simply means this. Be attentive. Be observant. Be vigilant. Be wary. Be alert. Be on guard. Be perceptive. And that's especially true when it comes to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Watch. Look at these verses and we're done. It says this, watch therefore, for you know not what hour your lord doth come. Then he goes on to say this, but know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. If you know a thief's coming to your house tonight, you're not going to you're not going to, you're not going to take Tylenol PM 50 of them and lay down and go to sleep. I tell you what you're going to do, you're going to stand there with your 20-alt shotgun with buck, buck pellets in it. And when he comes in, you're going to shoot him. And let me just give you some good advice. If somebody comes into your house knowing you're in there, shoot them. I told my wife to shoot them before they get in, we'll drag them in. I don't care. If somebody's crazy enough with you on the inside saying, don't do it. No, stay away. I've called the police. Get out from here. And they're crazy enough to come in, they mean to hurt, hurt you. Amen. So I say, get them before they get you. Shoot door, shoot window, shoot handle. Whatever you do, just shoot, just unload it on them. We'll drag them in. Can I have an amen? Watch. I don't know what that's got to do. Oh, yeah, about the thief breaking in. Watch. He would have watched. It would have not have suffered his house to be broken into. And then it comes on. There's in there another verse here, but the good one. Yeah. Therefore, be also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man coming. Can I just stop and say this? Watch out. Jesus is coming. Look up. Jesus is coming. The good word. Watch. All right. Let's say them together. Number one. Number two. Number three. Number four, cast by bread. You don't know it, do you? I tell you, sure do deflate a preacher's ego, I'll tell you that. I thought I taught you all something, but no. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much.